love it when God breaks in and changes things up a little bit. I, I don't even know if I'm going to get to my message today, but I want to give you my appetizer. Paul talked about pr prayer from many. In 2 Corinthians 1, 10 through 11, Paul writes, God has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in the answer to the prayers of many. I don't know about you, but a lot of times when we pray, we feel like that's enough. But it seems like God uses the prayers of many to work in our lives. We know that Jesus in John 17 in several places was talking to God about his disciples and followers and all those who would be reached through the gospel message. And that's talking about us. And we understand that in Romans, um, it's Romans, I think, is it 14, 30? No, 8, 34, the last part of the verse. It says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding in prayer for us. And so we see this collectiveness of prayer, our own prayers, Jesus' prayers, and the fact that we have the ability to pray with each other, that there is a great uh, ramping up of prayer and the power of prayer to bring benefit to our lives. You know, we were just in that uh, intercessors meeting last Saturday that Donna held, and uh, Dory had a prophetic thought about the Daniel scripture where Daniel was praying and it took 21 days for that breakthrough. And the angel told Daniel that the very first day he prayed that God began to move in the heavens to bring answers to prayer. And, you know, sometimes we don't realize that there are such uh, strongholds that are still going on. Even though Jesus defeated the enemy, there are strongholds because Satan has power on the earth and he has a, a time slot that he's living out his days in great anger because every day that goes by, he knows his day of that he's done and he will not be able to do anything more that he's doing. But even in this time, there's a great movement by prayer in us, in our church, and in the world with Christians to break down the strongholds that are around people. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, He came to the disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That authority is the power we have through our own prayers to break strongholds and to pray for each other. That authority he passed on to the disciples that they might have authority while they live and breathe as men alive on this earth before they die. Because our access and our power against the enemy is being alive in Jesus Christ and alive in this earth. Jesus is in heaven and his authority is in heaven and he is over the earth. But he's using believers now and their authority through him to use prayer to break strongholds in their life and to collectively come together with other people and break strongholds in their life. There's a couple of verses I just kind of looked up this morning where Paul was asking for prayer. In actually uh, Romans 15, 30, Paul said, I urge you, brothers, by the Lord, I might even have this address wrong, 
I urge you by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from unbelievers. We know what happened in the shooting just the other day. And the constant things that we're faced with is the shootings, the, the, just the different things that are going on. Paul was saying, in my struggle, he gathered the believers that knew him to pray for him. That whatever's going on in this world that we live in, we need the magnification of our prayers together to get us through those things the enemy would try to do even to take our life. And Jesus said that don't be afraid if someone kills you because be afraid of him who has the power after you're dead to put you in heaven or hell. And that's God himself. So we're not to have a fear about what's going, in our, going on in our society, but we are to band together in prayer and pray like Paul prayed and asked for prayer because he was in a struggle. I'm not sure whether it was one of his times where he was being beaten or in prison, but he was in a struggle that was spiritual and natural. But he gathered the believers that knew him to pray that God would do whatever he would do, the best of God's will, to get him through that situation. In Ephesians 6, verse 19, he said also, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I believe you should be praying, God, I pray, as even Bruce exhorted us prophetically to step up, that we should pray that we would be used by God to open our mouths and share the gospel with someone. And just like Becca got up and shared today with fear and trembling, but she stood up because there was a strong word of God in her. There was a strong thing that God has been doing, and she executed that word. You do not know how God wants to use you in this day and hour to bring the gospel to someone because you are willing to open your mouth as Paul did. And obviously, Paul, who confessed that he was weak and struggled at times, he gathered again the prayers of many to bring against the opposition that people might hear the gospel. And even as you're praying and you're opening your mouth, there's a Holy Spirit coming to them and bringing a revelation of who God is so that they might respond to the message that you're going to give them. In Philippians 1.19, Paul said this, I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will not turn out for my will turn out for my deliverance. Do you need any kind of deliverance today? Gather. We're going to gather a few minutes. We're going to pray about some of these things in little groups. And you're going to tell people what you need, and they're going to agree for deliverance and for change and for transformations, for breakthroughs and overcoming and those areas that seem to have you bound. We are in incredible time. I think we have another 13 days in this 21 days that we have put aside to pray more than you praying regular, trying to pray more and believe that God is going to give you breakthrough. In Colossians 4.3, Paul said this, Pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. That song we were singing, that, that uh, one of those choruses was about 
the, open, the presence of God is an open door. Our prayers continue to let a prophetic and spiritual open door of God's presence be upon us and ignite our prayers in faith and the power of the Holy Spirit that we are praying powerful breakthroughs over our lives. Again, as we're praying for our family members and the prodigals and the people that are around us in our workplaces and the, the p- people in our neighborhood, we are praying that the gospel will, will move upon them, that they will be drawn by the Holy Spirit into a, a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. So right now, right where you're at, just gather and start praying with each other about different things that, that, you, that might come up. Let's just take maybe five minutes or so and just pray. Again, we're, we're magnifying if it's finances, if it's you feel oppressed, if it's a physical need, it's, if it's just a burden you have on your heart, just pray. We, me and Donna, who is over all our prayer pockets, uh, had a little discussion this morning, and she was just reminding me that um, we have to keep praying about things that we're waiting for God to do. And our prayers help keep our faith going, and our prayers keep the pressure against whatever's holding uh, our prayers back. So if you need healing, finances, just come forward after, and we'll pray about that. And this is kind of what's going on is what what Jay prayed uh, for me two weeks ago or a week ago at our uh, advisory that I would have so much stuff. And I feel like I have so much stuff. It's not just around one message. And I, I feel like uh, the appetizer about prayer was been enough. But I want to go on. My, uh, my title on my message is, You Have a Gift and It's Faith. Now, I've been talking about God has given us the person of the Holy Spirit to be in with us. That's the person of the Godhead that Jesus purchased by his blood that we have the living of Holy Spirit in us to give us uh, an awareness of what's going on in our life, a revelation of His peaceful presence, continued speaking to us, even for sometimes moment to moment, if we have learned to hear what He's saying to us, that gives us just like inside information for what we need to live out our life. But the key verse today is Romans 12, 3, the, the last part of the verse, or B part. Paul the Apostle has given us a foundational truth that we are to build our spiritual life upon. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So you're drawn by the Holy Spirit, and then when you confess or make Jesus Christ your Lord, a deposit of the Holy Spirit is put in your life. And that deposit sets us up to receive the Holy Spirit into our life, which is a, a greater manifestation of God's grace and power to be with us and to help and encourage us in everything that we do. Faith. The gift is the ability to believe that the Holy Spirit is resident in us. And since we have this measure of faith, it gives us the ability to believe, no matter what we're going through, that Holy Spirit is in us. No matter who comes against us, no matter what prayers we don't see answering, it is the Holy Spirit in us and our gift of faith that we are stretching and using and applying in every situation that comes our way in our life. I want to revisit uh, faith. I gave you this little story last week. It's faith that de- defies the circumstance. And it's that story in Daniel 3, 13 through 18 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being sent into the fiery furnace because they would not bow down to the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And he's about to throw them in because, because they, uh, they will not renounce uh, their faith in God. But it's verse 18. And they said, but even if he does not, We want you to know that we won't bow down to that image. 
And it's a faith stance that we have to have. No matter what we face, no matter what comes against our mind, will, and emotion, no matter what comes against our joy, even if he does it, our faith has to remain in Jesus Christ, that he's Lord of our life, and that whatever he said to us is going to happen. And it's in that moment of faith when it's tested where we rise above the circumstance and then God sends his answer. Or even if you don't get what you're believing or looking for, it's like the heroes of faith that somehow your faith was so strong, it didn't matter that you didn't get something that was promised. Your faith took you into heaven. Your faith moved you on beyond whatever was going on because the faith he gave you in a living God was greater than anything we can get on this earth. But I tell you, we are in a time where God wants to show us things because he wants to give us stories and testimonies because there is a group of people that are waiting to hear from us what a God who is relevant and alive is doing in our lives and doing in the earth right now. Faith is not shaken by real circumstances. In 2 Corinthians 4.17, our light affliction, Paul wrote, which lasts but a moment, works for us a far and more exceeding eternal weight of glory. We don't see that now because we're living on this side of eternity. But God is telling us in his word that everything that comes against us is working something greater in the future. Our investment in Jesus Christ and our relationship with God is working gold in our life. It's working something greater for us than anything we can imagine. Matthew Henry said this about 2 Corinthians 4.17. The prospect of eternal life and happiness kept them from fainting and was a mighty support and comfort. As to this observe, the apostle and his fellow sufferers saw their afflictions working towards heaven and that they would end at last, whereupon the, they weighed things aright in the balance of the sanctuary. They did, as it were, put the heavenly glory in on a scale and their earthly sufferings on the other side. And pondering things in their thoughts, they found afflictions to be light and the glory of heaven to be far more exceedingly in weight. That which, that which since was made ready to pronounce heavy and long, grievous and tedious, faith perceived to be light and short, but for a moment. Whatever you're facing right now that's testing your faith, that's making you feel anxious, that's overwhelming you, it's only going to last a moment compared to what's going to happen to you in the future. What are your challenges right now in faith? Recognize them. And there's some verse in Isaiah 29, 21, and it's talking about I was. The statement I was, meaning past tense. What about, I was thinking a couple years ago, and this scripture is going to bring it out. I remember getting a prophetic sense about barrenness, and then overwhelmingly I just gave that word in, just being aware of all the places of barrenness that have been in my life, different family members, generational barrenness, and barrenness that we've had at Hillside. But I really believe God is breaking our barrenness. In Isaiah 29.1, Then you will say in your heart, Who bore me these? I was bereaved and barren. I was exiled and rejected. I was bereaved, deprived of relation or friend, by death or loss. What have you lost? I tell you, God is about to bring a, 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 just a boatload of replacements and things that you've lost. Something to compensate for what you've lost from the I was. I was barren, unable to produce much or little. I was unfruitful. 
Where have you been unproductive or had little to show for your effort, little success for what you hope to be successful in? I was exiled, sent from home country, asked to leave. Have you ever been asked to leave from somewhere? God exiled Abram. In Genesis 12:1, he told him, Get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. He was exiled by God for a greater purpose. The land where he was in his family of origin wasn't big enough for what God wanted to do into exploding from who he was and even in the place that he was barren. Leave familiar, leave family, leave security, leave surroundings that, that are trusting and follow an unseen Lord. We did that, my family did that coming to hear from Hollister and a few other families did that. What about back to rejection again? Jephthah was rejected in Judges 11, 1 through 3. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior, and his father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute, and Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away, saying, You are not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you are a son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. I was rejected, discarded, thrown away, dismissed. I was left alone, apart from people, solitary. And yet God made him a great people. There are people going to come into this church that feel just this way. They feel rejected by society. They feel bad. They could even be scoundrels. But God's going to turn them into trophies of grace. Because we're in a move of God that wants to, he wants to fill the whole earth. He wants to go and redeem lost and broken people. And we're going to be part of what he's going to do in this church. In Isaiah 29, 21b through 23. Who brought these up? I was left all alone, but these, where have they come from? This is prophetic. This was prophesied over our church just three, just uh, in 2015. This is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I will beckon to the nations. I will lift up my banner to the peoples, and they will sing your sons in their arms and carry your daughters on their hips. I was thinking about you, Ashley. Where are you? Is she out in the nursery? Yeah, I was thinking about that new little baby on her hip coming into the church. Kings will be your foster fathers, and their queens your nursing mothers. They will bow down before you with their faces to the ground. They will lick the dust at your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. I was. I was unsaved. I was lost. I was broken. I was hurting. I was rejected. I was addicted. No more. The I was changes. It changes into something else. I was leads to I am no longer because of God. Think today of what you are and what is holding you back. Even Becca talked about I was in her life, but it's no more. Because God has brought her out, brought her into a new day, but it was through great struggles and difficulties, great lies of the enemy that transitioned her into a new place. Now another one. I have four minutes. The miracle of multiplication. God can multiply anything. God can multiply anything. I tell you, we all have lacks. 
We all have deficits. We all have needs in our life. I tell you, God is declaring this is a season of multiplication. He wants to multiply things. Elijah, 1 Kings 17, 14. Elijah said to the widow, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry. What about Elisha and the other widow? This is crazy when you think of believers and you, we think sometimes God's going to keep us from any kind of harm. Her husband's a prophet and he's in the school of the prophets under Elisha and he dies. So she comes, I'm sure she's shocked. Wow, how does the man of God, my husband, how is he dead? How is he, how has this happened? And now the, the creditors are coming to take my sons to be slaves. And she's coming to him just in desperation. I think she's wondering, God, where are you at? What are you doing? And Elisha asked what she has. She has a little tiny bit of oil. 2 Kings 4, 3-7. So she said to the prophet's widow, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour out into the jars, and each is filled and put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her sons, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. What about Jesus, the multiplier in his DNA, son of man, son of God, God in the flesh on the earth? Matthew 14, 15 through 21, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up into heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave them to the people and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 baskets and broke pieces and that were left over. And the number of those who ate were 5,000 men besides women and children. The Lord is able to bless and multiply. Our God is a God of grace and increase. You want to get into a good investment? Keep investing in God and the kingdom. Farmers sow a lot of seed. Well, they actually compared to the harvest, they, they sow just a little bit of seed. Keep sowing. If you've never stepped out and done tithing, you're being, you're being ripped off because God wants to show you how he wants to bless you. You may have, think you have a, a little bit or enough right now, but Give a little bit, start tithing, and watch how God begins to bless you in ways that you didn't think he could bless you. When we give God our tithe, it's taking seed, and it's giving it to God so he can multiply it. Again, every time a farmer sows a little basket of seed, there's a huge field of harvest that comes. If we will use our faith to sow what we have, God's going to multiply it. Maybe you say, I have hardly any. I, I can't even make it. Why don't you try to tithe anyway with your limit? If you don't have enough to pay your bills or make ends meet, try tithing a little bit. See what God's going to do. It's the only time in the Bible it says, test me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you. I only want you to grow in your faith. I want you to be able to stretch your faith and believe that God can do and multiply what you have. 
in the Old Testament during when the children of Israel were walking in the wilderness. It said, he who had little when they were gathering the manna every morning had nothing left over. And he, and he who gathered much had, had no, had them reversed. He who gathered little, you know how it is. <laughs> Sometimes in the natural, we, we hold on to things because we're afraid but we have to give, like all these stories in the Bible, we have to give what we have and see how God wants to bless us. I believe it's a time of multiplication. We're going to believe that God is going to do something. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, He whoever sows sparingly will reap also sparingly. God wants you to begin to reap something much more than ever before. God wants to break off the limitations. We put limitations on ourselves. We listen to what they're saying in the economy. Now we're hearing that they're going to bring a tariff on everything, and already people are raising all their prices. I tell you, we live with a God who took people through the wilderness for 40 years, and they didn't have any gas stations. They didn't have any wells. They didn't have any grocery stores, and yet every day God supplied food and water through those 40 years. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. And it's a time for us to raise up and rise up in our faith to believe that God is going to do, no matter what we see as a lack, no matter what is our limitation, no matter what the enemy is telling to us, that we rise above it and we take our stand, like Bruce Kessick said, rise up and be who we're called to be.